I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Isotope Native Instruments and Plugin Alliance are launching a whole bunch of super hot deals for the summer of sound sale. From now until the 6th of July 2023, Isotope are offering all their software for 50% or more off including the comprehensive mixing and mastering bundle Music Production Suite 5, as well as flagship tools like Ozone, RX, Neutron, and more. All things I use to edit this podcast. Visit isotope.com and check out the frankly colossal range of things that you can get at extraordinary prices. And take your mixing and editing to a whole new level. Listen up, dear listeners in the UK. There's a brand new guitar show this year, the Brighton Guitar Show. It's a one-day show happening on the 15th of July at the Brighton Racecourse, and it's going to be great. We'll be there along with loads of your favourite boutique and major brands like Two Notes Audio Engineering, Chapman Guitars, Fidelity Guitars, Thought B Effects, Pedal Patch, Bright Onion Pedals, Ranger Effects, NRG Effects, Great Eastern Effects, Iverson Guitars, Kurt Mangan Strings, Maybury Leighton Lemon Audio, Xander Circuitry, and loads and loads more. What more excuse do you need to come to Sunny Brighton, the birthplace of guitar nerds, than a guitar show full of guitars, pedals, effects, and accessories? Come say hi, hang out, have a beer, and check out all the cool gear with Matt, JD, and I. You might even see a few of the OG guitar nerds hosts knocking about. For tickets, visit brightonguitarshow.co.uk or check them out on social media with Brighton Guitar Show. See you there. Uh, Philip. Uh, yeah? What does a sprinter eat before a race? I have no idea. Nothing. They fast. Ah. Uh. Hello, hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by 40 Watt Podcasts, Philip Carter. I should have seen that punchline coming. Uh, yes. I, well, I didn't give you much notice, but yeah, I'm, I'm still... Thank you, dear listeners, for your continuing to send me dead <laughs> jokes to read out in the start of each episode. I really am scraping the barrel. I can't work out if I should continue to ask you to send me them or ask you to stop, because most of them have been dreadful. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but thank you, anyway. the point, though. That is the point. <laughs> they can't be good. I, uh, I even sent you one that I, I doubt you'll use, oh, but yeah, yeah I, I'm going to tell it now because I, I love this one. Please and do. said, um, oh, no, I have to actually read it properly because if I mm. if I jack up the punchline, I'll never yeah, forgive yeah, myself. Yeah, you can't mess up a dad, dad joke. Dad, dad no, because they're already line. so bad. I can make <laughs> it worse. So, uh, so, Joe, you hear about uh, Beethoven, how many people told him he'd never make it as a musician uh, because he was deaf? He didn't listen. Very, 
very good. That that nearly made this week. If uh, <laughs> I, I uh, it was on the it was on the shortlist actually, but I, yeah. I figured because you were on it. Well, it it actually isn't in the format of a dad joke. You have to retell it a little bit, and it's it's a, yeah. it's extra work. Why yeah. do it? Well, well why use go. more word when few word do trick? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But <laughs> Philip, thank you very much for coming back on uh, the Guitar Nerds podcast. It's lovely to have you uh, you back again. I'm happy to be here so that you can be positive about all things and I can be the negative one. <laughs> well, exactly. That's, uh, that's, that's exactly why we have you on the, on the podcast. But, um, but also just because you, your, your turnover of equipment that you buy is, is high. You've always got something new and exciting to talk about. It's always something interesting and cool. And I think it's, uh, it's really good for me, dear listener. I appreciate that you, dear listener, over 50% of you are, um, are in the US, but it's really interesting to see how I, you know, I, I get that all the same gear virtually is available yeah. to any of us, but there are definitely different trends. And it's always interesting to hear what you, Philip, put purchase because it tends to not be stuff that would ever even be on my radar which we will be talking about this episode because you've got a handful of new things including you you've you've got behind you right now a a pedal still which i didn't even really understand how it was uh how different it was from a from a lap steel until you were explaining it to me before we started the podcast yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, some friends and I, um, actually, uh, my wife and I got tickets for the Brothers Landreth show in Nashville, uh, May, as of recording this, it was a couple of weeks ago, almost, um, week and a half ago. Um, and we invited uh, some friends to join us. Uh, Scott from the Effects Loop podcast came down from Chicago. And then there is uh, Jake from Man the Helm. He didn't go to the show with us, but he did hang out with us and do a bunch of guitar store hopping. Because when you're in Nashville and there's you know more, more music stores per capita than anywhere else in the country, <laughs> you got to go around and see what you can find. And so I did. I, I went... I went to, we went to, you know, we hit the traditionals, the Carter Vintage, uh, Eastside Musical Supply. Um, but my favorite stores in Nashville are uh, Fanny's House of Music, um, which always, that's, if, if you want the weird stuff in Nashville, that's where you go to find the weird stuff. Like they had a Ventura guitar, Gitorgan. 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 It's a guitar that you play that emits organ sounds. It's, it's It literally got a Farfisa circuit in it. Um, it's the wildest thing I've ever seen. Listeners, go look it up, watch YouTube videos. It's wild. It is still for sale if you are really in the mood. Um, it's on their website, so Fanny's House of Music. But while I was there, <clears throat> I played a couple of player-grade great instruments. I played, um, the one that I really thought I was going to come home with was a 67 ES-125. Oh, that lovely. Was, oh, it was priced right. It was, it played great, but also I have a couple of things on order. So I didn't know if I could really spend that kind of money right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even, so even a, even a sensibly priced sixties, uh, Gibson ES series. is expensive. Be, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was expensive. So, but it played, it sounded amazing. I couldn't get it out of my hands. And so I, I did the thing where you leave and you're like, I'll come back if it haunts me. I'll come back, right? And if it's gone, it's gone. Um, so we we went from Fanny's to my other favorite music store in Nashville, which is Caldwell Guitars. Um, I've had Silas Caldwell on my podcast before. Uh, he's a 15-year-old that owns a music store in Nashville. I mean, uh, he's 16 now. He just had his birthday a couple of weeks ago. Um, <laughs> so 
but we went there and I discovered, um, I'm going to talk about a couple of things, Joe, and I'm going to try to go fast because I know you, no. we, we chat and no. things go long. That's fine. So I bought this, I've never heard of this company. They're based out of Italy, um, Mastro Valvola. Which is a great and name for an effects pedal company. It really is. It's a great name. They make these really listeners. I'm aware you can't see it. I'm holding it up, but um, they make these really great angled enclosures um, that are kind of reminiscent of Maris's enclosures. Yeah, it's um, definitely that sort of vibe, isn't it? Yeah, it's that, uh, uh, high quality, <coughs> modern look, but very, very robust. Looks like you know it could kill a man if thrown. <laughs> I absolutely think it could because some of the edges are a little sharp-ish. Oh, They're not sharp, sharp, but um, this is called their Off One, and the Off stands for Octave Fuzz and Filter. And so it has a uh, two foot switches. It's got a bunch of things. It does like octave up, octave down, then two sub octaves, and you have a dry blend. And it's got the this n- nasty, just raunchy fuzz on it that I absolutely adore. Um, it's got a mid switch, but then the thing that sent me over the top is the filter function, right? Because the filter can be put on a foot on a, uh, an expression pedal. And I don't know how I'm going to work it into my next blues set, but I think I am. (laughs) I'm going to blow some people's minds and maybe some speakers, but, um, this it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. I, I, when I started playing that. And I realized it had the expression. I asked uh, Silas and Tony. Tony is Silas's dad. If they had an expression pedal, so they grabbed one and I plugged it in. And I laughed like a school kid for <laughs> thirty minutes while playing this thing. I was having so much fun. So, so it gives you the, the being able to move that filter around manually. Does it give you more like a, a more a manual phaser tone, or is it is it deep? Is it more guttural than that? Is it almost wire like? Uh, you know what? The manual, I've yet to use the filter manually. I only right, use it with right, the expression right. pedal. So it really feels almost like a synth. You know, when you roll back the filter on a synth and it becomes like <laughs> super low and then it pushes into the nasally territory with the filter. That's, that's cool. what it does. And so if you, if you use your expression pedal the right way, um, and not that there's a right or wrong way, but the right way to get this effect, uh, listeners, I'm not telling you you're using effect, uh, expression pedals wrong. Um, but if you use it the, in a certain range and you don't go the full range of it and you find where you like it, you can get sort of a wad out effect out of it. Oh, that is very cool. So it, yeah. it's got two foot switches on there. Does yep. the second foot switch engage those two sub octaves then, or does it engage the expression or? So there's a, there's two different modes for it, for how you can engage those. Oh, and look a like a bad pedal user. I have the manual in front of me. So oh, the yeah. foot switches, there's two modes. In mode one, which is default, the left button activates the octave and the right one, the fuzz. Right. In mode two, um, the right button acts as a general bypass for the pedal while the left button controls the engagement of the high octave. Ah, so if you want to use it just if you want to use it as an octave fuzz that can then add in the sub octaves, use mode 1. Got it. But if you want to use it as an octave as a fuzz and then decide that you want the sub octaves in there and then engage the high octave, you can use it that way. That's that's the way I like to use it personally. Yeah, if I'm sounds, using it in like the blues rock cool. setup, like right. blues rock synth, I would use it the other way around. Sure. 
that it 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 sounds fantastic. I'm gonna have to check out some demos for it afterwards. What was the there's name not of a it? lot. There's not uh, a lot of them. Of course, there's, it's the Mastro Valvola off one. There you go, dear listener. Go so, check it out. This it sounds excellent. Yeah, and so the other one I went back for. I went back to Fanny's and decided, and and I did not go back for that 125 as much as I wanted to, uh-huh. as much as I desperately wanted to. I have enough guitars. Um, <laughs> He's uh, behind a wall of about twenty guitars as I'm talking. Yeah, to him, I, I have enough six string guitars. Let's put it that way. Um, so instead, I went back and bought a Showbud Maverick ten string pedal steel. Right. <laughs> Which looks incredible. I can't play lap steel or pedal steel at all. They're not my vibe. I, harmonica, uh, that, that's that's my calling. But uh, oh, but, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, no good. No, a big Rolling Stones fan growing up. So oh yeah, so you had to learn harmonica. I have <laughs> exactly. my one of mine right here. Oh, there you go. Uh, I'm not great it. at it, but you know, I couldn't call myself a proper blues player if I didn't at least try to play it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Well, the pedal steel, it's it's a lot different um, than than a lap steel. I play lap steel, and I typically play lap steel in open G tuning, six strings. Uh, you still use a bar and finger picks if you want to do it that way. You can use just the pads of your fingers. You just don't quite get the attack. Right. Um, but once you bring in pedal steel, and it's its own platform... And mine's a three by one setup, which means it has three foot pedals and one knee lever. Uh, now I've had a pedal steel before a couple of years ago, and it was a three by four. So it had three foot pedals and four knee levers. And I felt like I was doing the wildest version of the funky chicken while trying to play <laughs> that thing with those levers. And, and I got frustrated. Uh, and what I should have done is folded the knee levers up and not thought about them because you can fold them out of the way. Right. And just don't play them and learn to play just without them. But instead, I got frustrated and I sold it. So I've really wanted to play one again, though. I found this one at a decent deal. Uh, they cut me a little bit better deal. Um, and I brought it home. So I've been playing it a little bit, starting That's to awesome. starting to get it under my hands a little bit. But the tuning is very, very different from anything you'd play on the guitar. Ten right. strings. Um yeah, so you, you got to sort of remap your brain a little to play it. I see. It takes up a lot of space as well. That's a big old instrument, you know. It is a big instrument. It's basically it's basically a small keyboard. So yeah, yeah exactly. No, oh, that yeah, that is cool. So I, I saw an instrument that I didn't know existed the other day. Sorry, mentioning harmonica mm. and speaking about yeah. this. This uh, you know your weird pedestal is reminding me of it. The glass harmonica. Yeah, I didn't even know that existed. Invented by Benjamin Franklin. Uh, unbelievable. I saw that as well. I was like, what? Yeah. The Benjamin yeah, Franklin made a glass it's, harmonica. It's a super eerie sounding instrument to the point yeah. that I think they believe they used them. It spiritualists used them in, <laughs> in their, in their ceremonies or, or however it is they did their things. Um, it's a super eerie sounding and essentially it is concentric glass bowls on a, on a rod that rotates through a pool of water and you play it by spinning the rod and placing your finger on the glass bowls. Yeah. So you actually, you cycle it like it's uh, the, with pedals, don't you? You, you read yeah. it on the floor. That's how you keep That's it moving. Like now, listeners, listeners, I need you to understand. I did not pre-look this up. I am such a nerd <laughs> that I knew this off the top of my head. <laughs> yes, that that is. Uh, I I am. I thought I was dropping some mad knowledge here, but uh, 
<laughs> but no, <laughs> it's, uh, as soon as I said it, you were able to tell me absolutely everything about it. I was like, oh, I thought it was going to be impressing that, impressive that I knew Benjamin Franklin had made it. So, okay, okay, no, I, I'm, I'm just a super massive nerd about this stuff, man. If it, if it, if it makes music, I want to know about it. I literally just had a Facebook conversation with a friend of mine last night about the hurdy-gurdy. I mean, I will talk about anything music-related. Uh, I have a I have a friend who lives in Japan who is after a hurdy gurdy, a really difficult oh. instrument to get out there. Yeah. So he's uh, every time he comes, he's about to come back. He's like, uh, uh, he's he's asking. He gets in touch with me and he's like, you don't know any distributors that might distribute a company that makes hurdy-gurdies and if so <laughs> is there any way you could get one on demo or something for when i'm here because he doesn't want to buy it without you know right he wants to without play it first. one. but, it. but yeah, it's not like you can walk into a guitar shop and ask for their finest hurdy-gurdy <laughs> you get some looks <laughs> yeah. you absolutely get some looks <laughs> yeah exactly exactly well so, yeah. well uh, okay so um so Philip, you've also got some other cool new gear, which we're going to talk yeah. about. But first of all, I can't, I need your help a little bit. All right. Um, I, I mentioned uh, maybe last week with Matt, or dear listener, that I've got like a bunch of pickups that are being sent to me by different brands at the moment. It's really, un- oh. really odd. Lots of different pickup brands got in touch with me at the same time and were like, would you like to try this out? And of course, my answer to anyone wanting to send me things to try out is yes yeah um and uh and fuzzy duck who are a, a brand that are a part of guitar anatomy this uh uh you know like a a bit of a guitar parts supply store over here in the uk um they've started making these fuzzy duck pickups with the idea being that they're um you know they are all vintage inspired or based on something that they love they're trying to make something brilliant and cool but make them very affordably priced at the same time so it's kind of almost like an entry-level way into people who actually want to pick up that's not just this is a humbucker um Uh, so in a way it for for american listeners in a way it sounds similar to what uh stumac is doing with their golden age pickup line right i see i see i I wonder even if that was the inspiration because of course stumac are you know very much world famous for being yes the the big big i've tried a few of those golden age pickups they're very good they they do not deserve the cheap label that they get because they are they're inexpensive Ah, yes, yes, exactly. Exactly what these are. So these are the Fuzzy Duck. They, they've sent me their silver 90s, which you can get from like thirty nine ninety nine in pounds. Oh, which wow. Is very good. For a single, obviously, you can buy a set yeah. or, or a single in cream or uh, in, a, in, in black. And you can even have – they have a little Fuzzy Duck logo. But if – you know, you're worried about people knowing that you've got 40 pound pickups in your guitar. <laughs> they also do an option without the, f- the fuzzy duck logo. For, for um, you, you posers out there that yeah. care that people see the <laughs> expensive exactly. gear, as I exactly. say, with a lot of expensive gear. Um, <laughs> but, I, I, um, I hope, I really hope that their packaging is a little faux fur duck that it comes in though, because if they, <laughs> if they don't, they missed a trick right there. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. It will. Mine just came in an envelope, but I, you know, it could, <laughs> <laughs> it could, this, this could be, you know, just a marketing set. So I don't know. I'm not sure, sure what you get. Um, but yeah, so the, the silver nineties that they've sent me, they're based on the original 1948 Gibson P90. Oh, cool. Which is very cool. So dual Alnico, five bar magnets, short wide bobbins, plain enamel wire, all the things that you want. So, you know, so it's going to give you that very, very clear 
Gibson P90 sound. Um, the sets are great, like nine and a half K on the bridge, eight K on the neck. So you've got just that, you know, that, that little bite that you want off of the bridge pickup. So they've sent me a set and I was like, brilliant. I'm really excited about these. I'll just put them in a, in my, uh, (laughs) (laughs) and I realized that actually at the moment, everything I've got is like some jet guitars, like a telly and a strat, uh, a baum, and then the grez, uh, jazz master, um a couple of harmonies but nothing with a gibson sized p90 in it so i need your help philip basically i want to i want to i need to get something i don't know how you've gotten to whatever age you are right now joe (laughs) i think you recently had a birthday um whatever age you happen to be and you don't have a p90 guitar well i do have p90 guitars you know in the the baum is 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 p90 but this i feel if they if you make like a gibson style 48 style p90 i don't want to put it in in the baum i want to put it in something gibsony so actually a lot of my stuff is like you get gold foil p90s in the in the harmony certainly in the in the harmony juno which are very good p90s are definitely you know my preferred pickup sound anyway just because they do a bit of everything but i just yeah i've got nothing gibsony now of course this is uh essentially me getting a guitar that i don't necessarily need at the moment sure um just to do the 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 job of retrofitting in some p90s which will be lots of fun but for that reason i don't want to drop two and a half thousand pounds on a guitar just to, oh no no no, to no, no, demo no. The pickups so i'm thinking like something- and i highly recommend you don't spend that kind of money for this purpose <laughs> yeah <laughs> please don't exactly exactly but i do want to get something affordable gibson-esque that's going to take p90s that's uh that's uh easy peasy uh, I can, I can, I can do this for under 200 USD. Under 200 USD. Okay. That's that, that, that's keep, keep talking. Epiphone Les Paul special with P90s. Done. That's that's really that, 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 that affordable. I thought all Epiphones were like over 400 quid now. No, 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 no. Very reasonable. Yeah. You can, you can still get an Epiphone Les Paul. Actually, I'm sorry. Musician's friend in the U S has a sale on them right now for one fifty nine in worn TV yellow. Oh, wow. Wow. That is uh, that is, uh, that is an aggressive price. So, uh, uh, so are they bolt on at that price? They must be bolt on. At that that price, they're bolt on. Hmm. Okay, that's still that's still a fantastic price. I was thinking like I don't really want to go, you know, over over here. We've got the 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 Harley Benton, the Toman brands. They're oh, sure. Of, every, everyone's getting a lot of those at the moment, but uh, you know, they're they're fine. They're they're fine. Yeah. I've, I think I've seen more more problems than I haven't with. I'm not you know, dear listener. They're they're probably great for the money. I just know a couple of people who have ended up having nightmares with them quality wise which you would expect at that price point anyway so sure. you know, i'm sure there are plenty of great ones out there as well so i was like oh i don't know about that and then i'm sort of looking at other things you know that like, i was looking at some of the the new epiphone les pools but then i'm like oh they're like 500 600 pounds now that's a chunk yeah. sire they're sort of coming out Ooh. of nowhere making a lot of uh great gibson-esque versions of those i've been really intrigued by that uh h7 they make the larry carlton yeah Uh, yeah i haven't read that article yet there's i I uh, haven't i haven't read that but i watched tim pierce's video with it right what what did you what do you think how how, how are you sitting on those 
I, I don't know. I want to, I really want to try one. I, I really wish I knew someone at Sire to send me one yeah. so I could just try it and, and instead of buying it and trying to figure out and then maybe reselling it later to recoup funds. But, um, I, cause I want to really compare it to, I have a, I have a 58 reissue 335. And so I'd really love to see how it, does it really stack up against it? Larry Carlton seems to believe it. And, uh, that man has played a lot more guitar than me. Oh yeah. It's, um, I've seen mixed things. People being like, uh, you know, how do you like the guy saying they're as good as Gibson, right. but also they've made him the guitar, you know, for goodness sake. Like he's, yeah. you know, there's an element of him in bed here, but that said it's Larry Carlton. If he wanted to play a Gibson, he could do would. that. He can play yeah. any guitar on the planet and he's chosen to play sire i kind of thought the same when marcus miller started teaming up with sire to make the bases when he left fender and his signature model and i read the stuff that he was saying and and he was just saying look i want to be a part of a thing that young people can have access to i don't want to have an instrument that's that's uh you know obstructively priced for them but is still top quality i don't think he was ever saying that a sire jazz bass is going to be better than one of his american custom shop marcus miller jazz basses but he was saying these are good enough for me to play live at every single live performance and that's, and that's young players can afford them or new players or exactly. however you want to phrase, phrase that uh, yeah. beginning and novice players. They can afford a pro level instrument. Exactly. I, I call it pro level. Some people want to argue with that. I'm like a pro is playing it live on every gig. It's a pro level instrument. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. So we'll see. We'll see. I'll tell you what I was surprised about when I did start like looking around for for something to put this in. I yeah. had no idea how affordable Gibson Les Paul special tributes were. Man, yeah. The Les Paul tribute. It, well, everybody, that's my big thing. And I know that, listeners, I know I'm the Gibson apologist here. Um, I realize that's who I am. That's the identity <laughs> I've taken on. Um, but... When people start talking about, I can get a classic player strat for XYZ dollars, and I, you know, I'd have to pay two, three thousand dollars for American for Gibson. Well, yeah, but you're comparing apples to baloney. Um, it's it's not the same <laughs> argument at all. Um, where you've got the tributes, that's their most affordable, um, US made nitro finished Gibson guitar. And what are they brand new? Like nine hundred bucks, a thousand dollars? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Over here, it's like seven hundred and fifty pounds for yeah know, one of those. That's that's aggressively affordable. And and you're absolutely right. Like you know, without us becoming Gibson apologists on the podcast, um, Gibson get a lot of flack for being obstructively expensive, whereas Fender get a lot of support for having very reasonably priced guitars. But what Gibson actually do is they make they make a, a U.S. built guitar for probably I don't know. Are we at a third now of what of what Fender want for an American-made mm-hmm. Fender? It's probably around a third. It's not even half anymore. You know, where where, where does the the Amer- with the American uh, professional start now? Eighteen hundred pounds, and it's seven hundred and fifty pounds for a yeah. Uh, Let me see. Like, American professional Strat over here starts at seventeen hundred dollars. All right, so I'm, I'm I'm a bit out there in that case. Yeah, yeah. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, but yeah, but, well, you got to tack on getting it over there. all day. Yeah. But looking at these Gibson, just going back, you can buy a set neck nitro finish US made Les Paul special tribute with P90s brand new for a thousand dollars. Mm, that is uh it's like being in the 90s again people <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah that, that, that these are all good options if you've got suggestions for me dear listener i'm i'm gonna deliberate over the next couple of weeks so you know let let, let me know yeah. um I, I need to get it sorted quickly but uh yeah i think yeah, I th- honestly yeah. uh if if the bolt-on neck is an issue for you and and honestly those have the old headstock too it, right right let's be honest i hate that old he- epiphone headstock yeah. um the epiphone inspired by gibson les paul special is 499 usd so right that's i think that's a I think that's an incredible deal. I love the Epiphones I've played since they did the revamp of the line. Um, I picked up a, uh, I played, I I gigged an Epiphone Firebird for a few gigs, one of the inspired Firebirds. Um, I only sold it when I bought a Cower Banshee and I've since traded the Banshee. So um, (laughs) now I don't have a Firebird body style at all anymore, but uh, I picked up one of the, the Epiphone inspired by J45 Acoustics right. in a store. Oh, yeah, lovely. And I tell you what, that might be the best under $1,500 acoustic guitar I've ever played. Wow. By a long shot. Yeah. I, I haven't tried any of the inspired by Epiphones, but I really want that statement to be very true. And I yeah. <laughs> do trust I, you that I, it is. But Yeah. It was it was one of – and maybe it was just that one. We all know that every guitar can vary. But that yeah. one that I played in Jackson, Mississippi at Music and Arts um, was the best under $1,500 acoustic guitar I've ever played. Oh, wow. Wow. Yes. I really need to get a new acoustic at the moment. I keep looking at all the, uh, I, I'm gonna, I am gonna get one, uh, over the next couple of weeks. I've been looking at a lot of the Japanese, like, lawsuit era, uh, oh, acoustics. Yeah. Cause whilst I feel like, and, and dear listener, like, like, over the last, uh, over the last few years, people have worked out that Tokai and Bernie, um, uh, you know, and, and Orville make made great versions of American guitars in the seventies and eighties. And now, when I look at prices on Reverb and eBay, they are kind of compar- They're they're being sold for kind of what they're worth now. They go sure. for a bunch of money. They didn't used to, you know, when I was when, like three years ago when I was selling all the Japanese stuff, it was like half, I was getting half the money for what they're going for now, which is fine. It's just people have cottoned on, which is good. Yep. But when it comes to acoustics, they haven't at all yet. Now I was, I was looking at a, a mountain, which is the Martin 
<laughs> the Japanese version of Martin. It's oh. the the logo is the same font, but it says Mountain instead of Martin. It's, uh, <laughs> See, because I was thinking you you said that I was like I had a Goya at one point, which I think oh, was yeah. actually a Japanese arm of Martin. Right, I think oh, they were actually yeah. owned by Martin, uh, and I think those are underpriced for what they are. Yeah, yeah. This is like I was looking at a 1972 Mountain their version of a d28 and it was in its solid sickless bruce back and sides and it is uh it's 250 quid or 350 quid um which is remarkably cheap i mean i'm not and the listing very much is like look this isn't a martin <laughs> you know you're not yeah. getting but but a 1970s acoustic made out of solid wood for 350 pounds i will take that, that yeah sounds good so uh yeah, yeah well, well i mean well, Joe, if you're just looking for a vintage instrument, you know the the early '90s stuff is vintage now. So you can just <laughs> you can just grab something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was I was driving the other day, and I, I think this leads us into one of the topics we wanted to talk about. Um, I was driving the other day and got behind um, a car, and it was like a, a '90s Camry. Right. And and he had the antique tag on his car. So here in Mississippi and in some other states, you can uh, once a car reaches a certain age, your your tag that you get for your car, uh, you can get what's called an antique tag. It basically oh. says this car is so old that it's almost not worth it to keep buying the tag for. That I'm over. I'm really hyper uh, hyperbolizing here, uh, sure, but. Sure. Uh, that you can get a tag, and basically, once you get the antique tag, you never have to pay for a tag again. That's the end of t- buying new tags for that car. Um, right. And it was a '90s Camry with an antique <laughs> tag. I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah, we're getting there, aren't we? I'm not. I, I, I the classic vintage stuff still needs to stay stay at the same point in time. I'm not. I'm not accepting the 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 move on from from stuff because stuff wasn't cool. In the yeah. in the nineties, eighties stuff maybe just, but uh, but well, yeah. if you think about it though, at at the time when people, so I feel like, of course, I di- I didn't play guitar until nineteen ninety nine. I took up I took up the instrument uh, late in life. <laughs> late in life, I was eighteen. Um, so it, you can do the math now and figure out how old I am if you want. <laughs> um, but the you know the nineties was when that vintage craze kind of really started. Because before that, in the 80s, no one cared even the tiniest bit about hacking up a 50s or 60s guitar to make it do what they wanted it to do. Yep. The the number of strats that have been um, uh, brutalized to, to do the Hank Marvin thing or to do <laughs> you know some other things that they should not have been doing um, is is astonishing but in the 90s people started to care about that so if you think about that let's take 1995 actually yeah so 1995 we'll start there 25 that's 27 years after the 1958 gibson burst 27 years what is 27 years from 1995 no yeah last year We are further away from 1995 than 1995 was from 1958. If my math is right. Yeah. Yeah. No, my math is right. (laughs) So uh... it it sort of tracks because that was when we started calling those instruments vintage. We're at that age where 90s are vintage. 
Yeah, de- depressingly so. That 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 is true. Um, Sorry for the math, listeners. No, that's that, that's that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. He's just made made me feel terrible. Um, <laughs> so by that right, I have a vintage made in Mexico Strat that I'll be happy to sell you for three thousand dollars because it's vintage. <laughs> Well, well, speaking of vintage stuff, uh, I was only finding out this, this is going to be another one of those things that you knew, know about and, and knew well about, but I was only really finding out about Kalamazoo as a guitar brand. Uh, yeah, recently. I, I only, I know this is where I'm, I, I actually know a little less about this than I know about the glass harmonica. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, I, I do know that, you know, I knew it was a brand. I, I don't really know all that much about the history of it. So right. yeah. you probably might know more than me. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's literally what I've, I've been reading today. I, was, I, I came across basically a listing for a Kalamazoo guitar, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. I, you know, I, uh, kind of looked like the really affordable Japanese-made sort of U.S. knockoff mm-hmm. guitars from the 70s. And I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's really cool. I, don't know that much about this brand i mean i obviously it's got to have something to do with the place and yes it did yeah. of course it was uh um it was gibson's budget brand before they bought out their competitor epiphone so from 1933 to 1942 gibson were producing archtop mm. um and acoustic guitars and lap stills and things like that but um those guitars, they're 1933 to 1942. So if you want to find one of their acoustics, they are very appropriately priced for a guitar of that wow. era, of that era. They are, you know, you're you're looking. Well, it's it's not that much, but you're looking at about 1600 quid for a guitar yeah. from that that time period. But even after they they Gibson took on Epiphone, they dealt with Gibson as their main brand, Epiphone as their mid level brand, and Kalamazoo as their budget brand and so between 67 and 69 they were producing these uh essentially um uh like fender uh, mustang music master style bodies and sg style bodies very much wow. with that music master feel to it so that like just a strap pickup just like a single strap pickup in the sort of mustang style instrument and a pair of them in the sg they um uh, they there was a, a maestro um vibrola um tailpiece fit on the on the premium version i think the kg2 was the sg kg1 was the mustang style body and a was added as a suffix if uh, uh if it had the vibrola they came in those like classic budget colors like dakota red and sonic blue but like very bold sonic blues um the bodies were masonite it was some of the first use of of masonite wood on on budget instruments to keep them super lightweight but also i kind of feel probably pretty characterful in in how they sound the mix of that masonite with that single coil pickup um yeah Obviously, these are a budget instruments. They didn't last very long, but they are extraordinary, extraordinarily cool looking. Um, and I, I found a 1966 KG1 in uh, in what looks more like an an Arctic white than an Olympic white. Like the the headstock is gorgeous, and it's got those lovely little. Um, you know the the, the the pearl tuners. It it, it looks fantastic. Three hundred and fifty yeah. pounds. 
Whoa, is what the, really? uh, what the price is for one over here. But, I mean, it's the only one available on Reverb in the UK. <laughs> like, uh, it doesn't even look like there was that much Kalamazoo stuff that you could get over your side of the pond. But No, um, there's. I, I did a quick Reverb search for Kalamazoo, and in the US, it's only acoustics. Right. I, I'm, I'm only getting acoustics, although I am staring at this... Um, it says it gives a range, 33 to 43, Kalamazoo KG31. Right. It's an acoustic that's in Nashville. It's an arch top in a beautiful sunburst. Um, and in the description, it says um, it's basically a Gibson L50, uh, big neck. Uh, it has a top crack that has been repaired, but otherwise there are no issues. How does an almost, a, a, almost 90 to 100-year-old guitar not have more issues than that. <laughs> like, yeah. I, it's gorgeous. And of course, you know, they want $1,500 for it. And it's it's in Nashville, Tennessee, so I'm going to bet they're going to get it. Yeah. But it is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. It's, it's a brand that I think I'm going to, you know, look a bit more into and find out what else they did and see if, I mean, I, I might take a, a pop on this on this guitar. It's not a lot of money, but yeah. um, I, I'm more interested in the arch tops and stuff. But just the fact that there was this 60s budget guitar brand that, I, that just passed me by, I guess. Uh, so Reverb, uh, no, a Chicago Music Exchange has a an article on their history on their website so if right. you google it you can find that article yes. um, i found it while trying to find more information you know in the midst of podcasting which is what you do you google a lot on podcasts <laughs> that's, that's very true <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i just I just just thought it was really cool a gibson made yeah. single pickup mustang yeah <laughs> from 1966 i would take that that sounds great 100 yeah, percent. i would take that that sounds they these look really good now there are some cheaper ones but all of them have issues below the 1500 yeah. mark <laughs> uh, like there's one that i looked at that was like 895 dollars, and the top picture is beautiful right and it's uh and I'm looking it's another uh it's like they call it a kn31 it is gorgeous until you flip through the pictures and you see that there is, I don't know, uh, a quarter-sized hole in the upper bound <laughs> on the side of it. I'm like, eh, no, I don't, I don't want to really deal with that. Not at nine hundred dollars. No, no, exactly. That's, but well, but so yeah, so more on this to come, dear listener. I, I think I'm yeah. gonna get excited about a sort of weird budget US brand from the '60s now. So we'll see how that goes anyway philip you've also expanded your amplifier collection recently with an amp brand that i just you know we, we only ever talk about them when you're on the podcast uh, <laughs> there's a reason there's a reason not a lot of people a lot of people talk about them because they're expensive and uh, right. i got really lucky I, I actually had a ridiculous new amp day a couple of few weeks ago um where i had two two rock amps arrive at the same time <laughs> um, that is, it is a ridiculous, uh, it, I, I'm now officially at that point where I have to decide, uh, when you gain more two rocks, cause I now have three, two rock amps. Do they, is this linear? Is this logarithmic? Do, so two, two rocks is four rock, but what is three, two rocks? Is it, <laughs> is it eight rock or is it six rock? I don't know. Um, it's, a, that's a really bad joke, y'all. I'm that so was, sorry. That was pretty but, terrible. So I, got into a deal um and i traded an amplifier for a two rock um studio signature head with a 410 cab 
Now they normally people have a one twelve cab with them. Right. Uh, the four ten is one of the things that enticed me the most about this deal. So I traded a divided by thirteen AMW thirty nine, which is Fred at at divided by thirteen. That's his Marshall style, his EL thirty four. Um, it's got a master volume, which is something he normally doesn't do. It's got an effects mm-hmm. loop. It's his only model that comes with an effects loop. I think. Um, he normally doesn't do that. You can, you can request him to do one, but he's not a big fan of effects loops. So he doesn't like doing them. <laughs> um, but, uh, I had that amp and I got that amp and I, I've been meaning to do like a YouTube video on flipping and talking about the long play, the long term flip. Um, and this is how I've gotten to the point with most of the gear I have. I've done a lot of long-term flipping. I get something that I like and wanted to play and enjoy, but I also know that this is potentially fodder down the road for flipping into something else that I really want. I try not to get really attached to these things that are long-term flips. (laughs) So, um, I'll give, I'm going to give you the quick lineage. So in 2018, it may have been 17, but I think it was 18. I bought a Rectoverb, a Mesa Boogie Rectoverb combo, which is a 50 watt, two channel, dual rect, uh, I think it's a single rectifier. Um, I love that combo. I love that amp. I've owned two of them now at this point. I think it's a great, one of the better amps Mesa's ever made. And that makes me a little controversial. Um, <laughs> most people don't, you know, that like blues and clean stuff, don't like that rectifier series. But I think the Rectoverb and the Tremoverb were two of the best they've ever made. Um, but I paid $700 for that. A very reasonable price. Very reasonable. They, and Especially then. They've they only gone up a little bit. popular back then, surely. Yeah. No, they, they were less. Nobody wanted They weighed 100 pounds. Right, They're right. super heavy. I see. Um, I don't know. What's that? Five stone? I don't know. I don't know how y'all's <laughs> measurements work. <laughs> um, Neither do we. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, he, uh, so I bought that. And had it for a little while and played it, gigged it. Um, but an opportunity came to trade that amp into a Jackson Ampworks uh, Newcastle 18. Excellent. Which was like Jackson uh, Ampworks little like EL84 18 watt, yeah. um, two controls, volume and tone. And that oh, was it. yeah, that sounds great. Oh, it was. It was, it was a great amp. Um but then, uh, you know, I got that for a little while, played it, um, and then, you know, long-term flip, eventually flipped it and traded it for, here's, here was the big, here was the first step change. Um, I traded it for a Victoria 2112, which is their Tweed Deluxe market, Victoria Amps, Tweed Deluxe Amp, uh, style amp. That's a great amp. I had that amp for a couple of years because I loved that amp. But the pandemic hit and small combos suddenly skyrocketed in value. <laughs> um, and so I ended up trading that Tweed Deluxe, that, that 2112, for the, AM, the divided by 13 AMW head. And I still needed a cab, so I found a cab. I had to convince the seller to ship it to me because he really did not want to ship. Um I got the cab for four fifty, um, and I think I paid a hundred bucks to have it shipped to me. So that puts me eleven hundred and fifty dollars into this divided by thirteen rig. Right, and then I occasionally would put that divided by thirteen rig up as trade bait just to see if I found any good offers. And someone offered me the two rock with the four by ten cab <laughs> oh, no. in trade for the divided by thirteen. As a straight trade as a straight trade, straight trade. 
had to, I had to pay my shipping. That is that is an astronomically affordable price for a for a, a, a two rock. Uh, I'm not I, suggesting that that's an affordable amount of money, but for I don't, for I don't a know. Actually, amp. I'll be honest. For eleven hundred and fifty, feels like an affordable price for any amp nowadays. Right? Yes. Yeah. Eleven fifty. Right. Let's put it this way: a brand new reissue PC board made in Mexico deluxe reverb will cost you seventeen hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's so. where we are it's weird isn't it at a time when uh everyone stopped using amplifiers because you know the gigs happen way less amps have yeah. got more expensive not cheaper yeah and, uh, but fine it, fine it's money. a weird thing so i got that one but then at the same time i had saved some money for something else and i had a I saw because I, I I have a reverb search for two rock set up to give me certain <laughs> alerts at certain <laughs> price points um and a Burnside, which is their 28-watt <gasps> tweed. This, I, this is where I was going next in the conversation. I was going to ask you about the Burnside because yeah, this, so, this, this is the one I want out of the range. Yeah, so it um it popped up, and it was relatively local. It right. was about a three-hour drive if I were to drive it. I messaged the seller. And said, "Hey, I'm relatively, I'm relatively local. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm nearby. I'd be happy to drive and meet to pick it up. Um, you know, what kind of price could we do for a local, you know, exchange? I didn't say cash. Reverb doesn't like if you want to take things off Reverb, they get mad at you and things spend your account. Um, you know, I said, you know, it, you know, this kind of local deal. He messaged me back, said, you know, I don't really do meetups or anything like that. But he said, since you're so close, uh, I can do this, and he offered me a stupid price." Because uh, you can respond with an offer, right? Yeah, of course. So you responded to the message with an offer. I said, yep, thank you very much. Even if I have to wait for it, even though I could have gone and picked it up. Um, I will not I will not say that price publicly, but it was a <laughs> lot less than they typically sell for. Right. And and it was a combo. I really wanted the head and cab, but you know, at that price point I couldn't argue. So good. Dear it listeners, does. like the Burnside combo, if you've not seen it, it's uh it's uh taller than it is wide, if if that makes sense, you know. So less like the you know, the traditional fender esque look of a of a an amp combo. But they they are they're gorgeous. Is it in the in the the sort of light form, the cream toilet? No, mine is in mine is in the black Tolex right. with the uh, with the wheat grill cloth. Oh, very lovely! And it is it is classy. And and the, oh. so I say black Tolex. It's actually black tweed. Right. It's oh, it's, it's nice. not actually it's not regular Tolex. It is it is a tweed, but it's a black tweed. Um, and it sounds incredible. Uh, Adam Miller, Australian guitarist. If you're not familiar with him, you really should be. Uh, he's become a friend over the years. I had him on the podcast a little while back. He uses one of these a lot. Right. Um, and it is just, it, it is an astonishing sounding amplifier. Um, I have no complaints about it whatsoever. Pair of 6L6s um, in the power section. Yep. 6L6s. I don't know what, know what the preamp's doing. 12AX7 and probably something else. I, I, it, I think it's just the 12AX7. I think right. it's just the one. Very, um, very cool. Just bass and treble, volume control, and a presence control, which I'm all about. And um, a bright switch. Oh, and there's a bright switch as well. Oh. And there is a bright switch. That's even better. So so what that gives you is essentially the, you know, in a traditional tweed amp, I think this is how it is. At least it sounds like to me, based on the tweeds I've had. You have a bright input, two bright inputs, and two normal inputs. I think right. all that switch does is flip which one you're in. I see. 
Adds, yeah, it adds whatever sense. that cap is, whatever resistor. Y'all, I don't, I don't work on amps. I, I don't know these terminology <laughs> things. Um, it does the thing, and it sounds great. How uh, how does the volume control work on it? Is it that is it like Fenders where it it's really random? You know, sort of between one. <laughs> that's a great one way to describe three, the Fender. <laughs> that's that's exactly what they are. But you yeah, know, where it's, it's, it's between complete. one and you know one and a half, there's twenty decibels worth of volume, and then nothing past that point. Yeah. It's it's pretty good, but I, I will have to admit I'm not entirely sure because I've been using it either through a two notes or right. an attenuator, so I get to turn it up and do whatever I want. So I never have to worry too much about where the volume knob sits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fair that's, enough. That's fair just enough, the whole thing. It, it does look very cool. I um, you, you've probably mentioned it to me before, but I totally forgot that that was the other two work amp that you got. That's yep. uh, that is in. It is, a, it is a monster amplifier. Um, I, I, am, I am fully on board. Uh, well, not just the two rock, but there are some, you know, there are some amps that are just expensive because they want to be expensive. I'm not going to yeah. name company names. I won't do it. But there, there are some that I, I don't think if you're going to get into the expensive amp game or what I call the end game amplifiers – uh-huh. Like there's no better. There's just different. Right. Um, sure. Sure. So, but if you're going to get into them, there are some out there that really uh, on close scrutiny, they don't, they don't bring the value. Um, but there's some that I'm big, big believers in. Two rock is one of those that has become I've uh, all three, two rocks I own. I would not own if I had not gotten a monster deal on all three of them that brought them, <laughs> you know, into the realm of affordability for me. Right. Um, because I get the new two rock prices are a lot and I, I get that, but I think there's real value there if that's what you want. And I'm a big believer in life is short. So y'all, we we're on this earth for very few years. Uh, doesn't matter how many they are. Um, if you want the thing and you can afford and you can get the thing without putting yourself in the poor house, save the money and buy the thing you want. Don't don't keep buying things that's good enough or that'll do or I don't know it does the job. But do they make you happy and like excited to play? Because this life's way too short to not be excited about playing guitar or playing music. I often make that mistake. I often decide to save a little bit of money in order to get something uh, you know that's a more affordable version of the actual thing that I want. And you're absolutely yeah. right; it's a terrible idea. It just and then you end up spending more money. Because you lose money on that when you sell it, and then you do another step change, and then you sell that, and you lose money on that sale. Now, if you're good, you don't lose money. I understand that. I've I've spent the last 20 years doing my best not to lose money. I get mad at myself when I break even selling something. Uh, I'm that person. Um no, I don't want to. I don't want to treat it like it's a business, but that's who I am. It's like if I'm moving something, I better be upgrading or making more money on it. Right. Right. Okay. Um, that's that's, yeah. a, that's a good good way to think. Yeah. But, but you know, difficult you to do if you buy a lot of custom stuff. Yeah. 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 Most most of the times that I've been bitten have been something that was a little too custom or yeah. or just a little too niche. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, that is always the case. Now, um, the question, Duck, is uh, letting me know that, dear listener, I should let you know that after uh, after Philip and I finish this podcast, we're going to be heading over to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds, where each week we record an extra episode where we talk about subjects and answer questions from the 
Guitar Nerds group on Facebook. This week, we're going to be talking, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wax was talking about, uh, you know, pedals that you've had for a while but didn't appreciate until recently so we're going to be talking about those um john by wants to know about uh, affordable vintage guitars that are european so we'll see maybe we'll have a crack at that and yeah. um and and peter pesce pointed out this uh, this great this great topic earlier this week when he shared one of uh one of barry from Gres guitars um videos on where you know barry's just making something very cool out of some very cool recycled material and uh and how he and how peter regrets being giving so much direction to grez on what he wanted on his guitar when oh. builders like that can be so creative so maybe we'll talk around sort of that subject especially with grez guitars in mind they're, they're i have so another creative. grez too i haven't talked about that yet you have another Grez. <laughs> yeah, I, tra- I, I made another trade. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll we'll, we'll, go- <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll talk about that on the on the Patreon episode. Yes, we will. We'll leave, it that. We'll leave it that. We, we'll, we'll talk about Bear- that. Um, yeah, but- buy a Grez guitar. Y'all. Buy a Grez guitar. Y'all save up the money. Just do it. Tell Barry to do his thing. They're incredible. Well, ba- Barry is uh, an absolutely lovely fella, and he makes absolutely brilliant guitars. He's he's just a gem. It's just one of yeah. those people that stands out in the community. I know we're going to talk about this on the Patreon, dear listener, but yeah. he he no, really fine. does, and uh, and and they're really good. Honestly, you you, you know, I don't believe that all, all of you would love it. You mm-hmm. just love it. Just get one. They're uh, they're going to be great. Um, before we go, I have been spending a bit of time with Great Eastern Effects co with a couple of their pedals that they've sent me recently um now they make that there's a small range of pedals in the in the great eastern effects co range actually only three they make the focus fuzz they make the small speaker overdrive and um they make the uh the designer drive which i I demoed a, a couple of weeks ago dear listener on the sound sample this time i've been messing around with the small speaker overdrive which um, which I'm I'm told um, uh, by David, who owns the company, that this is the this is the best selling pedal. I always thought it would be the Designer Drive because that is a drive pedal that allows you such control over this simple rotary that you can kind of turn it into anything you want. So if you're ever unsure about what sort of drive you want, this is kind of giving you a whole bunch of them with very intuitive, simple controls, and you sort of can work out what you like and then have a really great sounding drive pedal like that. The small speaker overdrive, on the other hand, is a bit more niche. Um, It's a low-gain overdrive inspired by that classic small amp in the studio, Steve Cropper, Eric Clapton, Joe Walsh-style tones. So we're we're talking about the... uh, that amps where, where's where's the name of the amp gone the fender Super? Uh, oh no no, no. no. you talking about the champ. champ champ yes yeah yes um so it's that sort of thing so it's like that boxy overdrive it's definitely like a niche sound it's certainly not when you get an overdrive you almost you might try to create that sort of thing for a a section but it's not necessarily what you'd automatically be looking for like an overdrive that is literally advertising itself as kind of sounding boxy but is very very good um yeah and 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 far more versatile than you'd think and so i i kind of i've recorded a little sound sample with it dear listener but basically i've got it off for the for the very start and then I'll, i'll turn it in and then all of the guitars um 
all the other guitars also just have the small speaker overdrive. That's that's well, there's probably there's some reverb and stuff like that on them. But what I'm saying is, it's acting as the preamp as well as the drive pedal, and I I really like it. I really like a transparent drive anyway. Those low to mid gain drive pedals, and this one I just found dynamic, reactive, but with the mids in just the right area to really poke through. I, I I think very highly of this company. I think what they're making is high quality. You know, they're trying to be different. They're trying to make something. They're not just making another overdrive. They're going after very specific tones and doing a fantastic job of it. So uh, so here is the uh, the small speaker overdrive by Great Eastern Effects Co. There it was the great eastern effects co small speaker overdrive really really good like for just an authentic earthy sounding overdrive uh you know i will be it will be difficult for me to try and win gear of the year with this product because it's just a transparent overdrive but also it came out in the same year as the benson oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, the the t-rex benson sure, so. yeah <laughs> but i do really like it and actually if i'm talking about gear that i have liked the most this year this is this pedal is very very high up there as a high quality authentic sounding uh, joe did, did you oh, intentionally bring the swampy blues because i'd be on is that is that where that came from <laughs> I, I would love to say it was. I was. I meant to do this last <laughs> week, actually, but uh, just I, I, I ran out of time, uh, so I never got round to it. But, um, but, dear listener, that that is actually about all the time we have on this week's episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. So, Philip and I are going to head over to um, the Patreon, Patreon right now, and uh, yeah, we'll talk about a bunch of the questions and your an, another grez that you have bought so well, traded we'll for traded, traded for. for okay well that's okay that makes it slightly better dear listener <laughs> if you want to join us on the patreon patreon.com forward slash guitar notes you can go there and it gives you all the information on how you can support this lovely community of ours philip how can people check out your podcast Oh, yeah. So uh, you can find uh, it everywhere you listen to podcasts. It is in whatever same player you're listening to this one on. Uh, just search for 40 Watt Podcast. That's four zero. Uh, you can go over to 40 wattpodcastcom uh, where I am woefully behind on uploading the show notes there on the blog. Um, but you can also go find me on Instagram, Facebook. Also, all of the podcasts happen in video on YouTube. So please go subscribe on YouTube. It, my YouTube poor YouTube channel is so woefully underwatched. Uh, my new goal <laughs> is to get to at least a thousand subscribers by the end of this year. So. Woo. Yeah, the, the audio is far more listened to than the videos <laughs> are. So. Yeah. 
that's uh that is how podcasts work i, I don't know what yeah. to what, what what to possibly do to to make a podcast interesting for people to watch on youtube but yeah, exactly uh, your lovely face might might just about do it so. uh, i don't know I, I, did you flip your screen are you looking <laughs> oh at sorry the video? I, I am yeah sorry i've got a different tab open actually oh, i see <laughs> um but there we go dear listener we'll be back next week with more of this guitar nerdery farewell adios That's it for another week of the Guitar Nerds podcast, which only leaves me to say thank you eternally and very, very muchly to all of our top tier Patreon backers. Thank you very much to Marcus Deluxe, Suresh, Dorsonic Pickups, Chris Franklin, Anton Fryant, Russ Meehan, Barry Gresbick, Steve Davis, Daniel Walker, Jorin Brown, John Conway, The Studio Rats, Russell Healing, Yogi the Guitarist, Ty Allen, Carl Harris, Sean Hughes, Andy Hoffler, Eric Hemmer, Jeffrey Wax, Brian Einsler, Mark Hisiao Kaduaki, Stuart Robson, Eric File, Peter Pesce, Andy Manley, Joe Puttick, Blake Wyland, Phil Radomski, Dave Lee, Ross Edwards, Jason Wharton, James Dor, Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Kennedy, Steve Merkel, Abe Matthews, Christopher Losef, Stephen Burke, Robin Smith, Kytopia the Band, J.D. Short, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Paul Corrigan, Rob Nordvik, Scott O'Brien, and the wonderful Moog Graphics.